Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thank you for finding us. You can also find us, if you're not right now, on Dash Radio. That's the Nothing But Net channel, so download the Dash Radio app for free. Search for Nothing But Net, and we're there every day, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. Also, check out FiveReasonSports.com, where it seems like Brady Hawk is pumping out a story every three minutes. So make sure you check that out. Uh, He's got a couple that actually apply to episodes we're going to be doing this week including this one so check out five and all the latest on the dolphins they went to three and three today shutting out adam gase's incompetent new york jets with tua even getting the last series with a couple of completions so Tua to patrick laird is going to be a trivia question someday check that out on five as well as the latest on michael hill getting canned by the miami marlins as the general manager also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. We've got a lot of them. One of them we definitely recommend that you check out if you want to make some money is Prize Picks. I did that this weekend. I'm now two for two playing around with this, and I'm not that good at this stuff. So make sure you check out prizepicks.com. This is the new way to play fantasy sports. It's pretty simple. You pick whether or not a guy is going to go over or under his fantasy projection. So you could have done that in the Bama game last night. Actually, if you'd gone over with all the Bama players, you would have won. Or when NBA season restarts, you could have done, for instance, during the NBA finals, Jimmy Butler is going to go over 25 points, uh, five rebounds, seven assists. There's a fantasy number that comes from that. And you decide over or under. If you take the over or the under, you can win real cash today. Prize picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four predictions correct. Entries are so simple, they've been made in less than 60 seconds. So sign up today at prizepicks.com or on the Prize Picks app and use the code 5 F I V E to get a hundred percent match on your first deposit up to a hundred bucks. Again, that's the code 5 F I V E hundred percent match on your first deposit up to a hundred dollars prize picks truly daily fantasy simplified and now today's episode one two three four five on the floor welcome to five on the floor a daily show on the miami heat and the nba featuring ethan skolnick with alphonse sydney alex toledo and greg sylvander part of the five reasons sports network All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. Here is today's floor plan. I've got Alex Toledo. I've got Nikias Duncan, who you can read at basketballnews.com. One of the things we're going to do here over the next two to three weeks, at least until we figure out when the trade season is going to open, when free agency is going to officially open, although it does appear it's going to be before the draft, is we're just going to start breaking down how certain players who could be heat targets, or at least heat fans have thrown out there as heat targets, how they might fit with this current Miami Heat team and how legitimate the possibility would be. So we're going to start today with an old friend. And our guy, Brady Hawk, wrote about him on the website. He is incredibly unhappy in Philadelphia. That was obvious when he came down here with the Sixers this year. The one thing about Josh Richardson, and you know this, Alex, from having interviewed him a few times, is like he's always upbeat. He's always in a good mood until he became a Sixer. And he has not been upbeat or in a good mood as a Sixer. Uh, in fact, like he, it was like left to him to try to bring heat culture. You know, he's a young vet. He's not an old vet. He was he's a young vet who was supposed to bring heat culture to Philadelphia. It obviously didn't work out very well. He's How was he in that locker year. room, by the way, uh, at, when when you went to the visiting locker room that one time when Philly was in Miami? Oh, the yeah. Sixers no, were in Miami. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And so he has. Uh, 
not expressed a desire to leave, but he tends to like every Bam Adebayo post on 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 Instagram. I mean, he's he's not quite an Oladipo stage here or the Beal stage, but but uh, clearly he wouldn't mind being back here. So what we're going to go over today is like, is this even a, a legitimate possibility? And B, would it be a good idea? I'm going to start with you, Alex, because you talked about this on Floors Yours. You think it would be a good idea? I mean, yeah, I think uh, we talked all season about how the, the guard defense was a problem for them. The, the point of attack, top of the key, however you want to phrase it. I mean, they, they ended up going to the zone in the playoffs to try to mitigate what Kemba Walker did, uh, you know, and th- that was something that we were kind of all worried about going into it that that worked and I would imagine like you know in another playoff series in the future they might go to that again but Josh Richardson would just I think be just an amazing fit in regards to the guard defense right and then on top of that you already know what else he can do right like I think he would be in an optimal role here compared to how he was in his first time in Miami and uh like him as a secondary playmaker whether coming off the bench or starting like I just think it makes a lot of sense and I think he would always be playing with versatile spaced out lineups you know he, he did play in a lot of uh clogged up Miami offenses over the years and I think now like he would look good in it as well uh, especially since he you know he was still a pretty good player for the Sixers and tended to produce around at the same rate more or less despite playing in you know a, an offense like that one that was very clogged up so I, I would be very optimistic about him being just a very good two-way player for the Heat and just being able to do a little bit of everything you could throw him in different lineups and it really does, I think, plug up a hole really well. And, you know, if, if a package like Olenek and Nunn were to get that done, I, th- I think that's that, that would be a really a really smart move. So, Nikaias, let's look at it now um, a little bit deeper. Josh Richardson was cast into a number one scoring role in his last year in Miami, and clearly that did not work. What would his role be? Let, let's say the deal was Nunn and Olenek, and I don't know that Philly would have any interest in that, but let's let's say that was the deal. They did Where have interest Josh... in Olenek the first time around for in, when the Jimmy stuff was happening, remember? When yes, you guys no, were reporting that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Nikaias, what do you think in terms of, like, how he would fit with this group? Um, in terms of this group, I think he would be a little bit more in a secondary role, which I think fits him. Um, as you mentioned, when he was kind of the primary guy, it didn't go well because he's just not good enough to be a primary guy. But I do think it helped with his development. Um, his pacing and pick and roll got a little bit better. Um, really fell in love with the pull up with the pull up mid range jumper. Um, I think that is a playoff shot. Um, that's part of the reason why Jimmy Butler had so much success this postseason. He finally got his jumper back, started knocking down some of those mid rangers in clutch time. So I think Josh Richardson as a guy that can attack closeouts and get into the in between range and make some basic passes if the defense collapse. I think that helps quite a bit. Um, it did feel like the Heat were a little bit short on creators once Gorn got hurt. Um, having a guy that can't shoulder the load but can be a little bit more reliable than a Kendrick Nunn was, um, than an Andre Iguodala was in limited reps. Uh, I think having Josh in there and already knowing the system, already knowing some of the pet sets that Miami likes to run, I think that helps. And as Alex mentioned, like on the defensive end, I think it's, it's pretty easy where he fits in. He can defend one through three. Um, he could be the guy that you could throw on point guards. He did that in Miami while having that number one scoring role anyway. So that that shores up basically the biggest weakness of Miami's defense, that point of attack. Um, I think it's a great fit if Miami can find a way to get him. Would he start with this group? If you if you're just taking none out, would he start or would would you still start Hero and Robinson? 
Uh, I think he starts. I think he kind of have to start him. Um, I mean, that's obviously that's also going to depend on what happens with Jay Crowder. I think I think there's an option to go smaller if you want to do that. But uh, I think you have to start him just for him being a guy that can defend point guards. Because I don't think Miami has a person that mm-hmm. can do that right now. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Would you go that small, Alex? That feels really small. Like, uh, uh, guys, are you basically saying you would start Duncan at the four? Um, I think Jimmy would basically be your four at that point. But I oh, okay. Oh, so you're keeping Hero in the starting lineup? I think that option exists. I think you can go Hero. Uh, it definitely does. <laughs> go Hero, Jay Rich, um, Duncan, Jimmy Bam. I mean, I mean that switch, is interesting. Yeah, they switch so much anyway. That's the, that's interesting. That's a way to keep the you know the playmate out because I was thinking of it in the you know keeping Crowder in and uh, Hero comes back off the bench with Goron like he did, and uh, yeah, I hadn't even considered that. But you can kind of I, I could I could really see it both ways. Like you said, I I, I know that they like to start defense first. Uh, mm-hmm. It would make sense that Goron stays coming off the bench, but yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if it just ends up coming down to uh, you know between Josh and and, and Tyler. I mean, so how would you feel about them going that small as far as as, as far as defensively? Um, I wouldn't mind it because I think Jimmy is a fine post defender. And on top of that, what he lacks in height, um, he does have that core strength there. And he has probably the quickest hands on the team. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of room if they do try to post him up. I'm not sure why you would want to go post ups against Miami. But if you do want to post up Jimmy, I mean, he can swipe the ball out and that's a transition opportunity. I mean, good luck keeping up with those five guys running the floor at that point. Um, that's true. I mean, it's interesting to me, but it's also a little bit worrisome because it's like the thing with the Richardson thing to me is is really like appealing when you consider him as the guard defender. And I guess you could still run him out there. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to guard small forwards, but mm-hmm. I feel like you're kind of boxed in if you're putting him there. Because it's not like, I mean, you're going to be switching smalls onto bigs and, you know, it, they can do it. And obviously, uh, you know, they, they, they'll run a zone if they feel like they have to. But I do like the idea of Richardson starting. I just don't know. Uh, I mean, how would you how would you feel about their spacing if it was Richardson starting and uh, Crowder starting hero off the bench of Goron? Um, I think the spacing would be fine. I think the, honestly, I think the interesting thing about that is if, yeah, if you do bring Josh Richardson in there and that's the cost, uh, not sure if you want to hear this after the run Miami just had, but I think Tyler Hero has shown enough as a creator that bringing Josh Richardson in, especially if you want to start him, that makes it a little easier to let go of Gorn if that's a thing, if that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew that's where you were going. Um, let's address that a little bit before we go forward, too, because the other thing is Goron and Jay Rich have a really strong relationship, also. That developed, yeah, we haven't even mentioned beginning. Bam yet, like uh, his relationship, Bam and Derek, and and their relationship with Josh. But Derek may not be there too. That's the other thing. But yes, for sure, for sure, bam. But I, I think we should address the Goron situation because this did kind of break over the weekend. I think Tim Reynolds reported first that there was mutual interest in a contract. Not that that's a surprise, but there's also reports of other interest out there. Not that that's a surprise. Goron is back home right now. Took a picture uh, kind of on, in, on his, his family farm out there um, and is obviously going to be healing up now for the next couple of months. But that is one of the things to consider. But I can tell you that I spoke to someone close to Jimmy this week who said Goron is going somewhere over Jimmy's dead body. So I, <laughs> I, I just, <laughs> although I, I think the it's, it's, it's nice to talk about the permutations of we can play hardball with Goron. I, I just don't. You play hardball with Goron, you're playing hardball with Jimmy. 
And and that's I, I just don't think that's gonna yeah, work. Yeah, I, I fully expect Goran to be back. Um, I think just his age and now coming off the foot injury and already some of the defensive limitations that he had. Um, I do think it's a little bit worrisome looking down the road a year now. I mean, I would assume that Miami's going to give him a one-year deal that's pretty, that pays him pretty well to then probably bring him back for a multi-year deal in 2021. Um, that sounds like that's going to be the move there unless something crazy breaks down in the relationship there. But uh, at a certain point, you kind of have to care about how you defend point guards. Mm-hmm. And as much as Miami switched and kind of alleviated it a little bit, that that's something that they're going to have to address Boston's not going anywhere. Um, we'll see what kind of team, what kind, how built Brock. Yeah, we'll see how Brooklyn builds on the margins there. But I mean, facing a Kyrie Irving in a playoff series, um, I mean there are some talented they got guards. So many weapons. Yeah, they have a lot of weapons. At a, certain, at a certain point, I mean, switching can only go so far. Yeah, no, that makes sense, and we'll we'll get into Goran a little bit more in another episode. But I do remember it was Goran who kind of took Jay Rich under his wing when, when Jay Rich was a rookie, when Miami was sending Jay Rich to Sioux Falls to run a thousand. Oh, this, and the soccer thing too. And now, I mean, if he were to come back, it would fit right in with, I mean, with Jimmy and his obsession with soccer. Yeah. So he, I mean, they sent him down to Sioux Falls to run a thousand pick and rolls. And, and uh, obviously that is KZ doing that one because I maybe, <laughs> no, I think they have KZ playing a different position. All right, but let, let's get back to this. The, the possibility of an actual trade here, because if you're going to make a trade, you've got to make it with a team that you basically just took Josh Richardson, uh, gave Josh Richardson to, to take Jimmy Butler from Elton brand is at least for now still in control though. I would watch the Daryl Morey situation because I heard months ago that he might still be an option in Philly, even though he's turned Philly down once before and it left, left a bad taste in ownership smells from what I heard. Uh, but let's just say it's Elton brand. You just made a trade with Elton brand and gave him Josh Richardson legally by NBA rules. I checked it out. You can acquire him back again. You can bring him back, but would Elton brand actually do it? And would let's look at it from Philadelphia's perspective. Nikaias start there. Would none and Olenek and a, I don't know, a pick be attractive to Philadelphia to make another trade with their rival from a basketball, from perspective. a basketball perspective. I would say no. Um, I do think Kendrick Nunn is more of what we saw during the regular season more than he was in the bubble. Um, so I do think there's, there's a decent player in there and Philadelphia definitely needs um, some shot creation help. And in theory, Kendrick Nunn can provide that. I think throwing in this year's first rounder, the 20th pick would appeal to them. Um, the top end of this draft isn't great, but it is a pretty deep class. And I think there are going to be a lot of good role players that come out of that class. There are a lot of shooters in this class. So I think giving Boston, I mean, giving Philly a, a cost control asset in that realm would help. I think Kelly Olenek is kind of where it gets tough because while he's serviceable, uh, probably more than serviceable, he's a good player. I don't know if Philly wants to add another big that's making over 10 mil. What if it's Andre? And that that's kind of what I'm getting to. I think Andre is the other mid, mid-level contract that they have, but I don't think Philly would want him. Like, I don't think Andre mm. Dollar is more valuable than Kelly Olenek. Mm. So I I just don't know how Philly would feel about that. But, I mean, but obviously. Let's, but let's take it away from the basketball for a second. Andre might have more value in Philadelphia than anywhere but Golden State. I mean, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, there's good history there. He was a very productive player. He was the face of the franchise mm-hmm. for a couple of years. But, but also, if there's any team 
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. That needs, like, a veteran leader to tell other guys on the team how it's got to be. It's that one, right? Like, and, like bully and, them know, into, into I don't know. what they have to be. <laughs> Well, maybe. I mean, I did, now I'm trying to think. Now with Doc, though, is there any? Re- no, nah, there wouldn't be a relate. He, Doc, he, hold he on, hold on. The Doc, the Doc thing is, he either he either signs guys that he that he coached or guys that he coached against. And if you remember, the Celtics Sixers played against each other in the playoffs. So I think Iguodala falls into the Doc. Well, thing. he also saw him. He also <laughs> Alex. He also saw him a bunch in the West because the Clippers the, the and the Clippers Warriors. Oh man, a bunch. Uh, so there is history there. Uh, so the Sixers maybe acquisitions. Andre Iguodala would be interesting Sixers, to them and on the last year I mean, of his the Sixers deal. acquiring Iguodala and Dion to to save face for the franchise is going to be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Well, Dion was the key factor in the Lakers winning a championship. But yeah, I mean, I I think there might be some value there. Um, none does give them something that they don't really have, though, because like you said, I mean he. Isn't he kind of a little bit of a ver- better version of Shake Milton in some ways? Like, <laughs> right? I mean, as a three-point shooter, he's pretty comparable. He's got a little bit more of a mid-range game. Like, he's better than Shake Milton, isn't he? Uh, I want to say yes. I just I just have to get the last, <laughs> like, month and a half out of my mind. And I also think Shake Milton is kind of like Josh Richardson. Like, Shake Milton was thrown into a role that he wasn't really ready for either. Because Philly just needed somebody to run point guard. And I feel like Shake Milton is more of a guy that can attack a closeout after someone bends a defense more than a guy that's going to get your team into sets. So it's it's kind of difficult to evaluate what Shake Milton is right now because he was just thrust into a lead ball handling role on a team with like title aspirations. And I don't think that was fair to him either. <laughs> it's still funny yeah, no, hearing, like hearing that the title aspirations, knowing the result. Like, I'm never going to get over that. Yeah, they floundered bad. <laughs> swept in the first <laughs> round. It's just like, oh, my God, so good. And they might have been swept in the first round even if they had Simmons, to be honest, the way that the way that things were trending. All right, let's get to the next part of this because we've made such a big deal about the year 2021 and not going uh, into that cap space. So Josh Richardson has a player option, which actually this is a very reasonable contract that the Heat signed with him. He's got $11 million coming up this year and then the following year. So that would take you 21-22 is where he would head after that uh, with $11 million. Now, that is not like Drew Holiday cutting into your cap for $27 million, but it's still something. Uh, Alex, would you looking at the Heat's cap sheet, would you be concerned in any way about him having that player option, especially because uh, – you know, you have a relationship with the player already, so you may be able to talk to him about opting out and perhaps doing something else with him afterwards, or maybe he gets some more, you know, gets more somewhere else. Yeah, that's uh, kind of what you're hoping for, and I think kind of like what we what we mentioned on the old Depot uh, podcast. Uh, you know, everybody knows he would know they're going for Giannis. Like it's it's you know it's it's the worst kept secret in the league at this point that the Heat are going for Giannis. Everybody's going to go for Giannis, but the Heat are all in as has been reported. And I just think 
It's like, well, if he doesn't say, I mean, if, if Giannis is not in, there you go. You got you got part of your plan B right there is Josh Richardson. And I think, you know, he would be the, the, the thought is if he's willing to work with them financially. And I think that's something that a player might be willing to take a pay cut for to you know play for that type of team. And at that point, you just leave it up to him. But I, I do think that is a good point to bring up because we know how important 2021 is in clearing the cap. And honestly, like, I think it's a really, if probably the best contract they signed throughout that period. And now it coming back to, you know, not bite them, but where it's like it, coming back in, in, in that way, I think would be interesting. But do, do you think that would be something that ultimately swings them from making a trade like that and giving up a couple guys who they think are, are actual rotation players and, and just holding that on either to, to play them or for a different trade? Yeah, Nikaias, I guess that's the question. Is it worth it? Is Josh Richardson worth cutting if he opts into that? And I don't think he would. But if he opts into that, is he worth cutting $11 million into your cap space in 21? Um, I would say so, because if Josh Richardson opts in, then he's going to be a, what, 27-year-old, 28-year-old, yeah, 6'6 wing that can defend three positions, create a little bit off the bounce, run pick a side, pick and roll for you, and spot up, like – there is going to there is always going to be a market for Josh Richardson, like yep. I, I don't I don't see an issue with that at all. Like Josh Richardson is the type the kind of guy that you make that deal for because he he's either going to opt out and you can bring him back or you know you just have that cap space to go out go big fish hunting or if he opts in he's a guy that you can trade if you feel like you're going to get a guy or right. he can be yeah, so I don't I don't see the downside to that part. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and and I think that's one of the reasons why we're actually seriously considering this. This is not just like a pipe dream that you're throwing out there. They obviously like the player. They didn't want to trade the player. Um, I can tell you that not only, you know, was Chet Cameron enamored with the player, but uh, Alonzo Mourning didn't want this player traded. I know that for sure. When the, when this was, when the deal was going on, the possibility with Minnesota, he was kind of pounding the table. Don't put Josh in the deal. So th there are still big supporters of Josh inside the organization. And I do think that a lot of people felt sorry for Josh. I also can tell you that knowing some people who are familiar with the Philadelphia situation, they were not happy with Josh internally in Philadelphia. They felt like he came <laughs> with a little of <laughs> the heat culture thing went the wrong direction where he was kind of, angry at everything that wasn't being done the way it was in Miami. And the way it was described to me was he was difficult all year, which surprised me if you know, Josh's personality, but yeah, that doesn't, it, it kind of, it does it, but it kind of sounds like Jimmy, right? Like when Jimmy was in situations that didn't meet his standards or people didn't want to win the way he did, he got pissed off. Now Josh doesn't have Jimmy's mentality. Obviously that was one of the big differences, but Josh is it just, was raised in the Heat organization. Is it just Josh Richardson reacting to a toxic environment? <laughs> like I don't, I don't well, even want, I, I don't want to like just you know be talking shit all the time. I don't. That's from what I could tell, from you know from all the reports from all season. It seems like that's that's what was going on. Like a lot of toxicity and you know discomfort and maybe just not a very loose locker room. And I think. You know, if guys start getting passive aggressive and all that. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I'm, you know, I'm just thinking through it because it just doesn't the make sense. Like knowing Josh Richardson, that the fact that he would be like that, and you know, the, what does make sense, what does jive, is what you said about the differences between the two, especially because the, these are things that have been reported from both sides. So I think that does make sense. But him being difficult is just weird. I mean, I think he got put in a in a tough situation where you know we thought it would be an ideal role for him, but at the end of the day. The, the Simmons and B thing and the lack of playmaking outside of 
Simmons just they needed more from him and he's not really that guy. They didn't have enough, enough people who could, I think set up the offense. And I don't know. I just think it's a tough position for everybody on that roster. Like it's just the roster just did, didn't make sense whatsoever. And uh, obviously that's with hindsight. Cause we all had them, you know, going far, but so, something's going to have to go there. And those other guys are not tradable. So that's another thing we haven't even mentioned here is that if they're really looking to get off of money. Like, I don't know if Horford's going to be tradable at all. Uh, he might be, but, I mean, I don't know what you can get, but Richardson is the most tradable one. He's the most tradable one because you're not trading Harris, and you're probably and not they're not giving up on Simmons off, or Nvidia. They're they're probably not going to be able to get off Horford's money. Like I said, the word that was used the most uh, about him was difficult, and that's never a word that was used about him in Miami. And so this does again feel to me like an environment situation. And mm-hmm. so he would certainly welcome a trade back here. So I don't think he would be difficult again here <laughs> because he wasn't difficult the last time. So anyway, Josh Richardson, uh, check out Brady Hawk's article on our website. We'll promote that with this. So you can check out his perspective on it. Uh, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about uh, real briefly, a couple of sort of the cheaper on-ball defensive options that may be out there. Before we do, I want to tell you about our friend Eric Brown. If you need a realtor who will treat you as a valued client and not just another commission, let me recommend you consult Eric Brown at fivereasonsrealtor.com, the official realtor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Eric is a real estate professional with several years of experience representing celebrities, executives, and professional athletes, as well as first-time homebuyers. With a Wharton School business education, he's uniquely qualified at identifying property value and negotiating on your behalf and providing an unmatched level of service. So if you're considering selling or buying a home in South Florida, just want to know what your property is worth in the strong real estate market, contact Eric at 305-967-9089. That's 305-967-9089 or go to fivereasonsrealtor.com. If he can't help you, he'll recommend someone who can. Find out what his specialized professional business approach can do for you today. That's Eric Brown at fivereasonsrealtor.com. We'll also talk heat salary cap with you. We're going to bring him on to do that a little bit with us. And he is the official realtor of the five reasons sports network. All right. Two minutes left, two minutes left. Alex has given us some of his names. Nikias, give me three on ball defenders in the NBA who may be available to the Miami heat who can help with what we perceive to be their biggest defensive problem. Point of attack. All right. So uh, the heat, as I guess everyone that listens to the show knows, can create quite a bit of cap space this year. I mean, this offseason, depending on uh, who they denounce and all that good stuff. Um, so De'Anthony Melton from Memphis definitely interests me. 6'4 guy can defend both guard spots, but he's really a hound against point guards. Uh, Javon Carter in, out in Phoenix, he's a restricted free agent. Not sure how serious Phoenix is going to be about bringing him back but he's a guy that can really get after point guards. Um, actually lit Miami up in one of their regular season meetings. Um, made basically every corner three took. Um, the jump shot is really the swing skill for him, but he's definitely in that three and D mold, guy that can hound point guards. Um, the other guy I would look at would probably be Gary Payton Jr. Gary Payton the second? Or is it the third? Yeah, I was literally <laughs> wondering the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I always get mixed up on how that works. But another guy might be the best guard defender in basketball, honestly. He is tremendous. Can't wow. do can can't do anything else, which is the issue with him. But if you just need a guy to go hound a point guard for 12, 15 minutes, like he's probably the best option on the free agent market. So hold on. That's a take right there. <laughs> he, you call him the best guard defender. I mean, 
he, I mean, he's, he's probably going to be the cheapest of the, the three, right? Like, mm-hmm. isn't he the lowest profile too? Like, if he's that good, like, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's absurd at that skill. But again, he's bounced mm-hmm. around the G League and bounced around a couple of a couple of benches in the NBA because that's literally all he can do at an NBA level. So that's why he's going to be available. But if we're just talking just that skill, like he, mm-hmm. it's so a hand, got, as far as a uh, finishing, shooting, passing, nothing else uh, stands out for him in any way. Yeah, like he he's he's a fringe NBA player, but that that's the mm. skill that's going to keep his name in circles because that might be after. that might be a way that they could actually acquire him too. Because something that I was thinking as far as this conversation is, uh, like if they end up uh, giving their money to Goran and Crowder on big one year deals, like we're expecting, mm. obviously the avenues to add guys are limited. Before you get into, you know, creative ways that they can uh, sign guys, they're going to have the mid level once they you know go over the cap. And uh, obviously you can go after, you can split it up and, and go after a couple guys. Or if they go after a big, uh, like you have limited money. And if you can get a Gary Payton Jr. for a, a small chunk of that, like that, that would actually make sense. Because I don't know if you can for maybe Melton or Carter who might get a little bit more money. But I, I think that factors into this conversation. If you had to rank between, so I know that Payton is your third, but uh, how, how do you feel between Melton and Carter? which would be a better fit for this team? Um, I think Melton is the easy fix. I think he's the easy number one there. Mm. Um, he is a little bit younger. He has a little bit more size, and the shot is further along than Carter's is. I think he's just flat out better. Um, it would behoove Memphis to lock Melton up very quickly because those offers are going to come. Like, I, like, don't be surprised if he's getting between 8 and 10 mil for, like, Atlanta. So that's the thing. He, you think that he would have to basically pony up the mid-level exception to get a guy like that? Yes, but I think it's worth it. Like young guys that mm-hmm. can shoot and defend, even in theory, are definitely worth it. And he's yeah. way on the plus side defensively. They look at those guys uh, two, three years out too. They, they've they've made some plays for that kind of player before, and so that that would be an interesting one. Who was the guard before we go here? Who was the guard that they kept giving chances to in the G League over and over and over because supposedly he Beyonce Weber? Thank you. I, like seven times they brought him back or something before <laughs> they finally gave up on him. Like, you know, and that was supposed to be the skill set. So they obviously value the skill set, uh, but he obviously didn't make it. All right. One thing. Hey, bring him back. Go, Why not? Well, maybe not. I mean, I know I, I don't think he was he didn't he post stuff falls. on social media the last time that wasn't so positive about the heat. They won't bring him back now. A um, <laughs> cu- couple of other things we want to address here real quick. Uh, our guy, Greg Sylvander, has been reporting about uh, Dan Craig up in Indiana. He is one of the finalists. So that is still a possibility that Dan Craig could go to Indiana. I found it interesting. We talked about Gary Payton, the third or second or 12th that Gary Payton has expressed interest in being an assistant. Gary Payton, senior. I don't know. Maybe that's an option if Dan Craig decides to go. Should bring him and his on here. Both of them. Also, I've got a new show coming up tomorrow uh, that's going to be on a new station here, an internet station called OnsideRadio.com, which will actually be launched by the time uh, you go. It's going to be at 10 a.m. I know the timing's not ideal because that's the same time as we're on Dash Radio. It's nothing but Net Channel. But that's going to be a five reasons hour where we will have contributors from five on the floor, three yards per carry, five rings, cane, six ring, and the rest of the network will be on there. So make sure you check that out. I'll be promoting that. And also check out our shirts. We've still got a couple of specials going on there. I'm going to be promoting them on Twitter. We've lowered the prices of some of the shirts on our website. So make sure you check that out. Our next episode, we're going to get, we've, we've talked about guard defenders and Josh Richardson tonight. We're going to get into guard, guard and wing scoring 
For instance, could DeMar DeRozan be available to the Heat? We'll get into that on our next episode. Greg Sylvander is going to join us for that one. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Fire Regional Sports Network. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Five.